know, no one really prepared me for how much I was going to have to talk to people about carbohydrates. <laughs> <laughs> CPR. It's what happens after someone dies as a last-ditch, high-intensity effort. Unlike the movies, it usually fails. What if we used that drive, while we're still alive, to heal ourselves? Welcome to CPR for Life, where we help you understand how to reclaim your health by changing your everyday life. I'm Dr. Sagar Doshi, board certified in both lifestyle and emergency medicine, and certified health coach. Our health is like a vehicle. I've seen too many people, including my own family, crash their health because they don't realize they are the ones driving. This podcast aims to help each of us take the wheel and learn where to go. But even though these conversations are evidence-based, they are just for your education. So please talk with your physician before making changes. Let's pick up where we left off in our last conversation. This isn't a no-fat lifestyle. This is a low-fat lifestyle. So two questions based mm -hmm. on that. How mm -hmm. much fat? Yeah. <laughs> and then... Go okay. ahead, answer that, and then I have so a second So I would question. say that the average American, probably being generous here, is probably getting in 30 to 40% of their calories coming from fat. Um, it, there may be other sources that say it's more, but that's usually what we're seeing. And for most people, weight loss, we need to get under 20% of calories coming from fat. And in some of the more extreme or stricter plant-based interventions, you'll see them get down to 10% calories from fat. And so that is a situation where you're not eating out much of all, you're not getting any oils, and you're getting your fats from avocados and nuts and seeds, and not too much. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so that is a very plant, you can't get that, you can't do 10, 15% with much animal protein in your diet and with much processed food. So that's a pretty plant forward diet. Yeah. Yeah. And so that less than 10% is for people that have real concerning heart disease and don't want it to yeah. progress. I use this analogy for a lot of GI issues, but it goes, it goes a long way with other things too. But you know, if someone has a broken leg, like a really bad broken leg, they have to get it realigned. They got to go put a cast on it and they're going to hang out in a cast for six to eight weeks, if not longer that, for it to heal. And some of the direction that the doctors are going to tell you is don't put weight on it. Don't walk on it. Don't get it wet. And for the average person who is ambulatory and doesn't have a broken leg, walking is a healthy activity. And swimming, if you want to get it wet, showering, it's a good idea. So it is a very unique situation when someone has a very a broken leg that they have to follow certain protocol for a while so that it heals. And then after that's healed, you take the cast off. You can't just go run a marathon. You got to build up to back to where you were. And now I always tell people, and I'm working on this aspect of the analogy, but if you broke your leg <laughs> because you like to free climb, you, know, you go up Mount rock walls mm -hmm. with no, um, no, 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 no harness, harness no probably don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. That's kind of dangerous to your health. Um, 
But when it comes to heart disease, if someone has just had a massive heart attack or they've had some surgery, they're broken and they're broken. They're broken and Mm -hmm. they need to go and they need to get, they need to heal. And you need to pull out all the stops for at least a while. And then from there, they get to decide how far they want to go back to their lifestyle. Because if not, you're just going to run the risk of seeing that situation over and over again until you don't. Yeah. How often are they willing to fall right. off the mountain? So. Because <laughs> there's no just no. holding on tighter. When exactly. It comes to with, you fall off a mountain, you're almost positive to die. But you know, with a heart attack, you get a 50-50 shot the first time. So. Yeah. And then question two. What is the, I've heard, and it's, I've heard it from physicians, that we need saturated fat to live in our diet. And I've tried to look mm-hmm. into that, and I can't figure out why on earth they would say that. Do you have anything to I add there? I got nothing. I got nothing. Um, okay. No. Um, there is a really good, I, I want to say it was, it was on the Pritikin website. And it was basically talking about the timeline of how fats came into this world, if you will, starting Mm. with saturated fat. And then the idea was that saturated fats were plenty in our diets to like 1960 something or whatever. And then there was something that said, oh, saturated fats are kind of bad for us. So let's not do that anymore. And they were on a hunt to find what was an option. And the thing is, is saturated fats, they're solid at room temperature. They have a great mouthfeel. They're yummy. Um, and they are very shelf stable. Uh, all of these things they had a lot of properties around it that made it very promising, other than the fact that it was incredibly unhealthy. And when they, when you look at the unsaturated fats, they're liquid at room temperature. They just don't have the same mouthfeel. They don't have the same shelf-stable properties. Um, And it was just kind of falling short in terms of the marketplace. And they were looking for an option. And where they landed on was effectively like uh, trans fats. That's that's kind of where they landed. Uh Yeah. And and so not only did we not improve the situation, we actually made it worse. And it took a little while to realize that trans fats were not only I mean, they were just horrible. <laughs> they they lowered HDL, they increased LDL, very toxic to our bodies. And by the time they figured it out, then they were they yet again were trying to find something else to replace it um, because it's the the timeline. I think was by early two thousands. It's not like it was that long ago. Was when the when the pattern started that trans fat started to be banned it's now officially banned yeah yeah and so it was like 2003 2004 and it just for a few years after that um, now restaurants were starting to get it out popular chain restaurants were starting to get it out of their foods and they needed they needed an alternative and where they landed on was coconut like these tropical oils the coconut and the palm oil because it was vegan it had Uh the same yeah. It had the same properties as, say, the animal-based saturated fats. And we kind of landed in the same exact boat that we were in. So this is very high saturated fat, same properties in terms of shelf stability, et cetera. Um, but we never ended up decreasing our fat, our total fat. And we never really ended up decreasing our saturated fat. And as far as 
I don't know what you see, but I don't think our health has turned a corner in America yet. It's turned a corner, but it turned the wrong corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Sharply declined. Yeah. You know, again, this is not a no-fat prescription. It's just a, a low-fat prescription. And I think there's like a, there was some, I think I heard Malcolm Gladwell say a Yiddish uh, saying, I'm going to probably butcher this again, but it's something like, to an earthworm and horseradish, the world is horseradish. So we're all like, especially now, like we're all born into this. We don't know any mm -hmm. different. And, um, and so to kind of say, Hey, 30% fat is not low fat when it historically has been considered low fat is kind of not common. And it's, it's, but to say like, we need to go down below 20% of our consumption of calories be from fat. It seems a little extreme. So uh, you're saying that we're so immersed mm -hmm. in this processed, unhealthy food world that we don't even know it. It's like the earth and the horseradisher, I think, as I've heard yeah. it, the two fish swimming along and the older fish comes by and says, hey, how's the water today? Swims away. And the two young fish look at each other and go, what the heck is water? Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. So it, it takes a lot um, Fortunately, I will say the plant-based movement is getting up there and it is definitely banging on the drums. It is still niche. I feel like it's still niche, but it is, is definitely not mainstream. But I think that with more and more people who adopt this plant-forward lifestyle and see the results that they're seeing, it will trickle down because... When I started this in 2011, which again is not that long ago, I didn't know anybody who did this. And I definitely felt very strange and weird and had a lot of comments from friends and family. And, um, and now um, there's, if I meet someone and somehow they find out I'm plant-based, usually they'll be like, oh, my sister's plant-based or, oh, someone, you know, like people have heard about it. So Mm -hmm. As they start to see people really recover dramatically, um, I think it will, it's going to take time, but I think it's, it's catching on slowly. Slow yeah. is fine as long as it keeps going and making progress. Yeah. I think we've uh, spoke a lot about mm -hmm. fat, but before we move on to the other parts of nutrition, anything else you want to add? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I feel like we really um, dove into to fats quite a bit. Later, We may have already brought this up in the beginning, but we talked about dietary components to cardiovascular health. And I think it's worth mentioning that non-dietary factors play a role in cardiovascular health as well. Um, smoking, Definitely yeah, true. smoking, drinking, mm -hmm. stress, anything that causes inflammation is going to affect that, the integrity and the function of our vascular system and everything that comes after that. Yeah. Alcohol is dietary. It is actually, it Isn't is. It? And um, <laughs> going, going back to my husband's situation, he made that hard right back in 2011 where we addressed our diet um, in terms of food uh, and you know, his cholesterol definitely dropped. It went from over 300 to about 230. Um, but for nine years, it bounced around the mid 200s and couldn't quite get that. And two years ago, he decided to dramatically change his alcohol intake. And he probably went from about seven to 21 beers a week 
anywhere in there, one to three beers a day, roughly. And um, sometimes he didn't have any, sometimes he had three, whatever. And uh, he just made a hard right. And for like six to eight months, he didn't drink any, any alcohol. And um, he's kind of landed on a few, few out beverages a, a week and his cholesterol is 149 now. It's under 150. All right. Um, Within that first five weeks when he didn't drink anything, just five weeks, his cholesterol went down to like 170 something. So alcohol wow. makes a difference for sure. It's one of those stealthy yeah. things like oil. When we're talking about it being stealthy. Okay. Those are our fats. So really get our saturated fat down super low and limit our unsaturated fat. How does carbohydrates play a role? Because very popular to say, Carbs are terrible. Carbs are bad. Evil carbs. Stay, keep away. I think, and no one really, I don't know, no one really prepared me for how much I was going to have to talk to people about carbohydrates. (laughs) (laughs) Clients. Um, I spend more time talking about carbohydrates than anything else, I think. Um, Oh, boy. So you have these carbohydrates and they are on a spectrum. (laughs) And you have things like you have fruits. And vegetables, whole grains, and, and those are bad for you, and beans. right? Oh, no. and you—they are magical. They are these foods that, yes, they do have carbohydrates. Some starchy, some not starchy, and and um, they come with fiber and nutrients, vitamins and minerals, all of things that are are healthy for us, protective of our health. They're going to keep our vascular system healthy and flowing. It's going to keep our weight normal. It's going to keep our glucose under control. And they're, you know, they're low calorie dense and high nutrient dense. What happened? These are all foods you could go to a garden and a tree or a bush and just pick it off and eat it. Um, Once we start getting into food that you, you know, there's, there's no trees for, and no bushes for. You have to modify it a little bit or a lot. This is where you've lost some fiber. You've probably lost a little bit of nutrients. Um, you've increased the calorie density in some way, and now these foods become easier to eat. And so let's take the life of a potato right? So you have a potato and let's say we want to bake it. Beautifully baked potato. And now low calorie dense, high fiber, really great. And now we want to dump it with sour cream, cheese, bacon, etc. butter. But we want to blame the potato. We've just dumped (laughs) a bunch of saturated fat on it. And now we want to blame the potato as being bad carbs. That innocent potato. Poor guy. (laughs) So let's take the potato and dump it in a, chop it up into little sticks and dump it in a fryer basket. And now we've dehydrated it. There's not much water. Um, Whatever fiber was there is pretty minimal. And we've just now saturated it with fat of some kind. And so now it's not low calorie dense. It's high calorie dense. So the way we typically eat potatoes, oh, and then one more, let's slice it really thin and fry it, right? So mm-hmm. whether it's chips or fries or a baked potato, we've ma- it's now not the same, right? It's not a baked potato, mm-hmm. plain, it's, or 
you know, even with salsa on it or something like that. It's, it's not roasted potatoes, um, minimally processed. It's, it's heavily processed. So, and I always tell people, you have apples, you have apple flavored Twizzlers. It's not the same. And so we mm-hmm. really need to look at how we're processing the carbohydrates and ask ourselves, um, is there a tree? Can you go to a Cheerio tree? Can you, it just, I know that it says there's low cholesterol, but you know, it's, it's not the same. It's um, processed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, you, and when you do that, you lose that fiber. So carbohydrates are not the devil, um, but you have to look at what carbohydrates are there. Do they have fiber? Is how processes it? What have you done to it? Um, to change it into the form that you're about to eat it in. So do carbohydrates, refined sugars, things like that, do the refined, simplified, mm-hmm. processed carbohydrates, do they contribute yeah. to heart disease? I mean, I feel like what, they do, what happens there is you don't have the fiber to buffer how that glucose gets into your system, how fast it does. It kind of just dumps it in there. And so you're going to see for people that are predisposed to, let's say, diabetes or insulin resistance, you're going to say you're going to see an increase in that. And when you eat um, highly refined carbohydrates. Um, so that is basically going to affect heart disease. So um, most people with diabetes have a heart attack. You know, they, they die of some kind of, or they're really affected by some kind of heart disease is what's ultimately happening. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they yeah, go they hand really in hand. Yeah, they really do. So... Uh, so working with Dr. Clapper, his big thing is you cannot do just one thing. You make one change and you have a trickle-down effect, whether it's good or bad. Um, so mm-hmm. There's a cascade. So heart disease, you know, and I've done talks on brain health, and it's the same thing that helps brain health is helpful for cardiovascular disease, is helpful for diabetes. It's all one and the same. It's just a different part of the body. And again, it has to do with the vascular system being so similar all the way through. It's an excellent point. So is there, we've done fat, we've done carbs. Is there a difference between proteins, between animal protein and uh, plant-based proteins? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and as we talk about this, just like we say that you can't do one thing in the body, you can't treat food as just one nutrient. It, it, com- it either comes with benefits. Oh, yeah. thank you so much so, for saying that. So <laughs> it's not just the protein in a particular food, right? We have to look at everything else that either comes with it for the better or for worse, because sometimes there's additives mm-hmm. and sometimes they take things out. But I know that, you know, you protein in the body. We need protein. We're not going to deny that. I think there's a lot of debate on how much we need and, and a lot of, again, a blind eye as to does the source matter? And I think the source does matter. You know, you talk about Dr. Campbell and his studies and showing how you can turn cancer on and off depending on the kind of protein that you use. Um, but furthermore, most animal protein comes with saturated fat. It's just kind of comes with the deal. It's a package deal. Mm-hmm. And so then you have, you go mm-hmm. back to the fat conversation and how does that affect heart disease, right? So you're just going to gain weight. It affects your arteries. It's very atherosclerotic. Um, and then most plant proteins don't come with saturated, not all, but most don't come with saturated fats. And most of them are just low fat in general, along with including nutrients um, that are vital to health. 
And I, I can't claim to be an expert on renal nutrition, but I know enough that, you know, our poor kidneys, they have a limit. <laughs> and the type of protein does matter for, some, uh, for most of us um, in terms of how much we're getting and, and dousing our kidneys. And I think I'll, I'll kind of deviate just a little bit where you have these pro- processed concentrated proteins. Yeah. I so, was going to ask so about that. Yeah. Whether you're talking about whey protein or pea protein or whatever, this is really concentrated. This is something we would never find in nature. This is made in a lab. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting doused with this concentrated protein um, that our bodies really weren't meant to, to get um, in the amount of calories that we're eating. And so you, you do see a lot more kidney issues um, because for some people, who are predisposed to have kidney issues and who have diabetes that has gone on for a while, this is where you're going to see some more kidney issues when you you eat more protein. And it is shown specifically to be animal-centered protein, for sure. Okay. Um, So the more animal protein that we get, be it from a whole source, like an animal, or a concentrated source, like a bucket Mm -hmm. from a lab, that's going to have much more deleterious effects on our kidney health and general health compared to a plant protein, even if it's an isolated plant protein. Um, Just so much. And it's just not necessary. And I think that's where the debate comes, where it's like, well, do we really need this much protein? And I'm, I will get, I just got a message from somebody who was curious about a vegan keto diet. And they're like, I exercise a lot and I need all this protein. And it's, but do you like, why? <laughs> if you eat more, you will eat more calories. And by default, you'll get as much protein, carbs, and um, fat that you need, so long as you're eating all the groups, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, again, I'm not a, I wouldn't claim to be a sports dietitian by any means, but, you know, my clientele are not athletes. <laughs> they're just not. <laughs> and so... Right. Or at least not anymore. (laughs) And that's fine. But I think it's funny that someone who is, or just interesting, that someone, you find the people that are 30, 50 pounds overweight and dealing with diabetes and heart disease, but they're very concerned that they're not getting enough protein. And this is, I don't know, doesn't make sense to me. The the details um, that we're concerned about are misguided, just misplaced. Yeah, and maybe the priorities are not in order. But you mentioned weight. Is there something to the thought of, I just was talking to somebody today and they said, really, if we just all were much skinnier, then it wouldn't, nothing else really matters. If you're skinny, you're healthy. No. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, plenty of skinny people are having heart attacks and you can have insulin resistance and still be very thin. I am trying to remember, um, I feel... I don't like saying the word fat, but this is um, something I've heard where it's called Sophie, like skinny on the outside, fat on the inside. Yeah, so I've heard that term. I'm not, yeah, I'm from not radiologists. a really big fan of that word, but, um, but yeah, you're, you can have that, what they call intramyocellular lipid, right? Where your cells, your muscle cells or your, your liver cells or whatever have fat on the inside. They have lipids on the inside. And so it's, cre- it's creating this insulin resistance. Insulin's trying to open the doors and can't do it. 
And um, these people are going to be totally skinny for sure. And athletes are having heart attacks and um, uh, it's about what's going on in the inside. So you can't always tell from no, the outside. Not at all. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a case, if you don't mind. If you, let's say that there's a woman and she's a 50 year old woman. She was lucky enough to survive her heart attack, which maybe a third of people don't survive mm-hmm. the first heart attack. What do you, she comes to see you. How do you approach her? How do you help her mm-hmm. as a nutritionist and a plant-based nutritionist and someone who knows a lot about more nutrition? How do you help her assess what she needs, where she needs to be? What's the so, process? So the first thing I really, one of the first things we really want to understand is, oh, she's 50, right? Um, where is she in life? What's important to her? Why, why is she? There's plenty of people who have heart attacks and do nothing afterwards. Why did she make the call? Is she feel like now I have to change? Is she back up against the wall? I guess I will. <laughs> or is mm-hmm. she okay? I give up. I get it. Like I'm done. You know, where is she on okay. that? Where is she? I want to know about her family. I want to know about what the things she loves to do. And then we're gonna. This is the counseling part where I want to understand. If you wave that magic wand. What does your life look like? How do you how do you see your life progressing? How do you see yourself dying? What would be the most What would be the best way to die for you? Um, how What are those things that she truly makes her happy in this life? What are there things that she has gotten away from because of her health? Her health has brought her away. Mm-hmm. Are there things she's doing she really wishes she wouldn't do? Um, wouldn't like um, wouldn't have to do. I get a lot of people who are like, I'm so tired. I have to take a nap. I'm too young to take naps, but I can't get through the end of the day without a nap. You know, things like that. So we have to really get the understanding of why someone is even going to entertain some kind of dietary life change at 50. Because most people wear Mm -hmm. that 50, any age, as a badge. Like, I've made it this far. And I deserve to be happy. And that looks like this. Oh, yeah. interesting. And Just making it that far in age is a, a license to eat more. Whatever, whatever food. it may be. I want to have okay. a glass of wine at dinner every night because that, that life is too short. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to. Why would I not? And it's like, I, no one can say to anyone what they should do what their life should look like that is our own we get to define that right so mm-hmm. um yeah so so we start with laying the groundwork of for their why and you know, i say the why that makes her cry makes makes you cry so it should be emotional and you know, no one ever thinks about how they really want to die i mean we may loosely say i want to die in my sleep but you, know, you think about leading up to those days what that looks like and yeah, that's a great question. And I really believe the when we choose the way we live, we choose the way we die. So, barring any other tragedies that are outside of our control. So, and I think Dr. Kim Williams says we're all going to die. I just don't want it to be my fault. <laughs> and I love that. That that's that's great. We're all going to die. Yeah. I just would prefer it not to be my fault. So, um, so that's going to be where we start. And then, okay, I am going to quote you mm-hmm. on that. When we choose the way we die, we choose the way we live. I mean, that's perfect. Love it. Forever. Now. I love it. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah. But go on. So then we'll get into, there's the nitty gritty, right? We have to get the symptoms. We have to look at the labs. We have to look at the metrics. And then I'll want to know together, we'll decide, okay, what are the metrics, the actual outcomes that we want to change? How do we know working together in three, six, 12 months is going to be success, right? How, you know, because mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times people will call and be like, I need a meal plan. I need, I just need to eat healthier. Well, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, what, what does that mean? So we need to uh-huh. get the metrics, right? Like, you want to be off medications. You want to stop taking naps. You want to stop having to go to the bathroom six times a day. You, you want to feel better. You want to be in less pain here, here, and here. You know, like we get those down, mm-hmm. right? You want to improve your labs. Um, so we need to get the metrics down and understand what, what we're trying, the goals. And every session in the follow-up, I mention those goals. And I'm like, okay, these are the goals we're shooting for still. Any new ones? And you want to take them mm-hmm. off? Oh, you, you did that? Okay. So that's like true north. That's, that's front and center um, is the why and the what. And then the rest of the time is focused on the how. <laughs> so it is quite possibly the hardest part, <laughs> arguably the hardest part. And uh, I let them lead on how they want to proceed, but I'm always going to be a fan of slow and, and consistent. Um, and if they want to go all in, I support that. But I will, we walk through the downsides because what you see with the folks that want to go all in is they're very, they're being very rash and we're mm. all great for about five minutes and you know, reality sets in and we're just like, screw it. Right. Um, and so I'll walk them through and say, okay, well, let's come up with plan B. What happens if you do this for this minute, for X period of time? What, what do you, how do you want me to respond to you when you call me and say you didn't do you you strayed for whatever reason and they're like i'm not gonna stray Mm -hmm. what do you want me to say (laughs) and i and i kind of pigeonhole them like we have to come up with plan b how do you want yeah everybody lapses it's gonna happen happen. that's the learning process that's what makes us stronger that is what this is going to be and i try to set those expectations this is not a when an if it's a when so when you slide for reasons that maybe because you didn't plan or maybe because it's outside of your control. I, another, I, this is like, I think from a book, it's not a true quote, but I think I got it from a book and it says, there's a reason why the rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield. And it's, it's this small memory. It's using the past as a guide and learning from it. But so many people slip up and, they, they're like, oh, screwed up. I had pizza on a Friday night. So forget the weekend. Weekend's shot. And, and the, rest the rest of the, of the week. week. And then we're, so I always say, yeah. you know, so a few things is, you know, in terms of philosophies and how I work with people, I, I just generally, I'm, I'm a big add-in fan. So I just kind of loosen them up and be like, look, we're not going to change much. Pick one thing. What's one thing you want to do this week? What like here? Here are the food. Mm-hmm. You know, we do some education and say these are foods that are great for lowering cholesterol. These are foods that are great for blah blah blah. And is there anything here that you you like? And oh, I I, I can eat potatoes. Well, let's talk about that. <laughs> you like potatoes? Oh, are you kidding me? Okay, well, what's your favorite? You know, and you start talking about how we can mm-hmm. prepare potatoes in a way that's going to be helpful versus harmful. 
-hmm. And then that week they might have some potatoes. And then the next week they may have some oatmeal. And the next week they might have this and they might have that. And I explained to them that the whole point here is to just build up some healthy habits. And then they'll come back and be like, I had soda. I said, did we talk about soda last week? No. Was that a goal of yours? No. Then why are you upset? And, and so, yeah. so trying to talk about, you know, it's admirable that you understand and you know, very astute of you that you understand soda is probably not serving you. Um, let's, you know, let's talk about that. That's something you want to address. And, and, and I'll always say that adding in healthy food is going to be much more effective than decreasing or minimize or, or eliminating anything no, is not serving you. Um, yeah, there's only so much space is. on your plate. Um, <laughs> I I love sports and I love football. So, in the spirit of the day after the Super Bowl, right? Great matchup. I didn't really watch it. I just watched the highlights. But yeah. it looked like it went back and forth. You had two teams with great defenses oh, yeah. and great offenses, right? And mm -hmm. it was yeah. a rough second <laughs> half for me, but yeah. So. Um, you can come to a game with great defense and we're in the food world. I'm going to call that minimizing or eliminating foods that we know are unhealthy and not serving us. You can do that, but you okay. can't win a game without any points on the board. You just can't, you need, you need mm -hmm. some offense. <laughs> this is a great so analogy. Yeah. You got to focus on getting points on the board. You just can't win with just a great defense. That's not going to help you. Um, it, it's just not. So you have to get some, you get good offense. You got to get some points on the board. Um, and I know. What are some of those ways that we can get points on the board? What are some of those top priorities or top no, foods? I, yeah. or... um, I mean, not to, to be rebellious here, but it's the plant foods, right? So it's going to be our vegetables, our fruits, our beans, and our grains. And I know that there's a lot of talk about berries are really powerful fruits and um, you know, we'll say lentils are really powerful beans and cruciferous vegetables are really powerful vegetables, but it, it's just all fantastic. That's like, do you want a thousand dollars or do you want $1,500? I'm like, you can give me whatever money you want to give. It's all fantastic, right? It's great. I'm up. You know, I'm not mm -hmm. going to deny any, you know, any positive thing that comes my way. And it goes the same way. So if people, should I have chicken or fish? Should I have beef or pork? It's the same thing. Do you want to be in debt for $1,000 or in debt for $1,500? Neither of them are great. Just go do what you want. If you're going to do something, yep. <laughs> just do it. And put it in the rearview mirror and figure out the next dish. I think that everybody chooses their own path in terms of how they want to change. So I've gone down the list of focusing on fruit for a month where they're eating everything they want to eat, but we're going to make sure we get fruit in every day. And we're going to give new recipes and to do new ways to add fruit into our life in ways we've never thought before. And then maybe in next month we focus on beads and we're building our library of options for how to eat certain foods and new foods and eating familiar foods in new ways. So we build up that library. And so you can do it by food group. You can do it by meal, focusing on breakfast dishes. If that's how they want to do it. Um, building up you can build up leafy greens if that's how they want it. I let them lead because there's no point in me saying, like, you got to get greens in. You don't have greens in. Let's go to that. I mean, there's umpteen ways to, to add more fiber and nutrients to our life. Why pick one way? So mm -hmm. really letting them choose what makes sense for them at that time is kind of how I roll. 
um, with my counseling. So big picture priority is maximize the number of different yeah, plants yeah, on the plate. Adding in, and then the adding, s- yeah. figure out how to and, do it. And then really similarly trying not to beat ourselves up for anything we do that we know is not self is not serving our health. Um, and just trying to really remember that like, it's okay, it's going to be fine. This isn't something that is going to happen in three, six months. It doesn't matter how bad you want it, how, no, how bad you need it. It doesn't matter. The why is kind of hovering up there, right? Tell them to put that on their fridge, mm-hmm. um, their why, mm-hmm. but otherwise it's adding in and worst, worst case scenario. If like, look, I'm, I'm eating ice cream after dinner. That's just what I do. That's how I, I identify as ice cream after dinner person. It's like, great. Can we add in something to that that is particularly healthy um, so that you're getting that in addition to the ice cream? Is there anything else you like? And not many people want to eat a bean salad with it, but most people like fruit and most people are okay with that. They're like, really? And they're like, yeah, because you weren't getting it otherwise. You didn't get it at breakfast. So get it with your ice cream. What does it matter if you, yeah, what, if, what does it matter if you eat it at 8 a.m. or 8 p.m.? Doesn't matter. Just get it in. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you eat it by yourself or okay. with your ice cream. Just get it in. So now let's say you had somebody mm-hmm. that came in, and the term would be unicorn, and they are ready, mm-hmm. ready to maximize everything they can do. They are set up for success in yeah. every way possible, and they just ask you, "Hey, what is my perfect mm-hmm. diet? Mm-hmm. I just had a heart attack. What is my perfect diet?" I don't like what the word perfection, but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're gonna again. I let them lead, right? So in America, we really like breakfast food for breakfast, and I I like want to open those doors a little more. So I frequently get people who are like, "Please don't make me eat oatmeal." I'm like, great, oatmeal's off the table. Mm. No oatmeal for you. But let's find out where else we can eat, right? And this is where we usually start to open up towards. Can you do you like potatoes? Yeah, I love to. Can you eat potatoes for breakfast? Are you kidding me? And you so we start to look at maybe more savory foods for breakfast. Um, and again, it's going to be starches. Um, I am going to try to educate them on getting in as many fruits and vegetables and beans and grains as possible. I've cooked sorghum. I love sorghum and I love farro. And you can put some fruit in that. And um, if you're doing nuts and seeds, you can put some nuts and seeds in that um, and maybe eat that as a breakfast food. And you know, so you're getting your whole grains in at breakfast. I mean, you got to let them lead. So it's really hard to just come up with anything, but oatmeal's fantastic. If you're into fruit, that's great. Potatoes, you can turn some grain dishes into a breakfast dish. And then from there, it's at, if they truly are ready, then we're going to try to get some greens in as much as possible. Um, That is very heart healthy and um, very, it opens up the arteries, gets that nitric oxide going. Low fat, highly nutrient dense foods as much as possible. And then from there, it's just a call. It's a discussion about what the foods they like and what flavors they like, what international cuisines they like. And we're going to just try and minimize, um, if not, depending on where they're at in their process, if they're open to eliminating animal protein, great. Um, if they're open to trying making their own dressings and doing a no oil dressing and sauteing with veggie broth. We're going to go that route. Um, well, this is, this is for the hardcore. And, um, but when they're ready, um, it's beautiful and it, and it works. And then you know, I have to now play defense and be like, 
you watch your blood pressure and you watch your glucose and you make sure you know, if you're getting headaches and you're feeling shaky and you're feeling lightheaded, call your doctor. In, in fact, wouldn't be a bad idea. If you're really going to do this, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to mm -hmm. go call your doctor. Like I'm about to change some, change some things up. And I have to do a real yeah, big 180. And here. My yeah. dietitian says, and so, because we don't want them to go low, we don't want that. That's bad. So it works and it can work very okay. fast. And I feel it's mm -hmm. our responsibility to let them know that. So it sounds like the, the hardcore person who wants to do that mm -hmm. hardcore 180 and get that ideal that it's the, the whole food plant-based, minimize or eliminate oils, uh, obviously do the same thing mm -hmm. with refined sugars. Anything else you would add to that list that I didn't mention? Let's talk about beverages. So. Oh. Um, I've seen this more than once. I'm not necessarily opposed to say one cup of coffee. I don't think that's going to make a big difference for people. Um, but um, I have seen coffee keep blood pressure up. They've made every change in the book, but they're still drinking their coffee. Their blood pressure is still high. They drop the coffee and their blood pressure goes down. And I've seen that more than wow. once. So... I mean, switch to decaf or just even nope. including I don't decaf? know. I don't know about Adios, the decaf. So most of my clients don't throw oh, okay. decaf. That's not coffee. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, no, I mean, they cut it out. And yeah, no, it gone. Okay. And I, I get it. Like most people would give up their firstborn child and their right arm before they give up coffee. But <laughs> you know, depending on where someone's at and what their goals are, I, I mean, I've seen it. You can tell this wasn't the first time they thought about it. They're like, I knew this was coming. You know, like I knew it and I wish it wasn't true, but I knew it. And so one of the things we do with things or we approach things that we know we should do, I don't, I mean, I'll just say that loosely, but know we should do, but don't want to, mm -hmm. or it's a little hesitant, but you're, you're kind of interested is we just say, look, it's an experiment. Can we try it for the weekend and see what happens? See if you die, <laughs> right? See if you can make it through the weekend. They're like, you know, they'll be like, mm -hmm. okay, I can do that. Or they'll be like, weekend? No, I can. Well, how about a week? And be like, yeah, let's, let's just see. There's okay. no contract. And if you don't yeah. like it at any point, just go drink coffee. It's just an experiment. And so once you kind of let it loose and it's not like some dictated mandate, um, and I'm no dietitian is the food police. They really shouldn't come off that way. We provide education and they choose how they want to use it. But it's just an experiment and just see what happens. And provide the set the expectations where it might not be a week. You, your body might need three months of no coffee before it adjusts. I don't know, but let's just see what a weekend or a week does. So, so there's coffee, and then um, obviously any sweetened beverages, anything like that. If they're still drinking that, it could potentially be an issue um, for some people. And if for nothing else, you know, you, your palate is just taken hostage by these hyper palatable foods, right? Super sweet, super fat, super salty. It's just going to take a minute. Mm -hmm. It's going to take more than a minute to kind of undo that. The benefit of going all in is that you decrease the misery that you have <laughs> in adjusting, your, having your palate adjusted. Um, so you just jump right in. It takes like a week or two before the misery is over. And then you're kind of readjusted pretty much for most people, two weeks-ish. And then you go have something that's a normal meal and it tastes really salty or really sweet or really fatty and it's 
doesn't feel good for most people. Then you're really attuned to what's actually in the food. You talk about people who switch from full fat milk to skim milk and it say they taste like water. And then you go back and have yeah. milk and it tastes like paint, right? It's just, we adapt, we adapt. And so mm-hmm. if you go the, the slow way, which is usually the most successful for more people, um, if you're still having something that's kind of sweet or kind of salty or kind of fatty, you're just making it harder for your body to adjust and you're still going to have cravings because your body is going to need times to adjust. So um, that adjustment period is real. This is fantastic. (laughs) You have shared so many wonderful pearls, pitfalls, points of wisdom. Is there anything that you want people that have cardiovascular disease to know? Anything that if they can't remember anything else that you've said, that they should remember this? Uh, Yeah, I would just say add in. Just focus one foot in front of the other. Add in these foods that are low fat. Um, low calorie dense, high nutrient dense foods, which is going to be fruit, vegetables, beans, and whole grains, and just take it step by step and just create a, create a plan for yourself. And I wouldn't say meal plan. I would just say, okay, I'm going to focus on this for this week. I'm going to focus on this and choose a food base. Know and just add in. Only the individual can decide the urgency that's surrounding the changes that need to be made. So it's I can't say like you got to change everything all at once. That's not fair. So it's kind of up to them to decide. All right. Well, if people want more of what they've just heard, where can they find you? They can go to kylonutrition.com, and that is K-A-I-L-O nutrition.com. And um, they can also find me on Instagram under Kylo Nutrition. I have a Facebook page. Admittedly, I kind of hang out on Instagram a little more. Uh, same thing. It's all Kylo Nutrition. And if you go to the website under courses, I'm going to be launching some courses soon. So make sure that they add their email address. One of them is a grocery store tour, so virtual grocery store tour, and it focuses on some packaged products that are minimally processed to try and help make uh, cooking easier and faster. Practical and easy to implement. Yeah. That's fantastic. Heather Borders, nutritionist, engineer, businesswoman, traveler. Thank you very much. This has been really wonderful conversation while I learned a great deal. Thank you so much. Really cool. If you have heart disease, your goal is a total fat intake of less than 10% of your total calories and these should be unsaturated fats. The foods you eat should be unprocessed to minimally processed, and you are the only person who can decide how important your health is and how much you are willing to change to fix it. Consider starting out by focusing just on increasing your repertoire of meal choices. Everything is just an experiment. There is no failure, just useful data. Do this, and we'll be off to a great start. If you need help, visit CPRHealthClinic.com and sign up for a free chat. Remember, the way you live can save your life.